0: Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. Well, good morning again, and uh, I'm excited for this message today, and I don't know about you, but I have been challenged, encouraged, and also, a little bit of a sober wake-up through this series called The Bride. How about you? There's been some great conversation in life groups I've heard from many of you. Have You guys have digested these messages. If you're not in a life group, I really would encourage you to um, find a life group. There's a life group table out there, and there's cards. You just pick up a card in, in a life group in your area. Call them ahead of time. Say, hey, I'm, I want to come check out your life group uh, um, this week, and they'll give you directions. They'll connect with you. So if you're not in life group, you're, you're kind of missing out because Sunday morning is just a part of church. The real church happens when we do church together. Life on life, us being the church, wrestling through some of these ideas. I want to share with you um, some things that have transpired over the last couple weeks. I, I got an uh, email from uh, the city mayor at Angler, um, a couple of weeks ago. And he says, Mark, I want to meet with you. And so um, I haven't been bad. So I knew that that was, uh, it, I couldn't get, be getting in trouble. I knew that was always good. When you have somebody who has some, uh, some authority, I always get a little nervous. Like, why are they calling me? Because I've had a few run-ins in the past. But anyways, that's for another day. So I meet with him and, uh, and he goes, you know, Mark, I see what you guys are doing in this community, and, and I know you guys are looking for a place, knowing that we might not have this opportunity to stay here in this location. And uh, he goes, We're, the city is working on something, and we want to know if Grace Capital Church would like to partner with us on a project. So it is a, uh, I can't give you details because it is, it's still in the workings and there's some confidentiality to it, but even for the fact, whether we did something or didn't do something is not the point, but even for the fact that the mayor of the city would call us and say, we know that you're for this city, makes you realize that God is opening up doors of opportunity for us. And it's our job to say, "God, is this you? Is this something that you need us to walk through?" It's kind of interesting to see what it is that God has done and by placing this church in this community. And by the way, when we do life groups also, as a life group, you guys are ministering in those communities. So it's not just Laconia, it is all the surrounding communities that we're a part of. Actually, I just read an email last uh, actually this morning that was talking about one of the life groups that they're preparing a meal uh, for the police department and it was It was amazing to see what the the spread that they're going to put on for uh, the police department and I just say thank you for uh, a church that has a reputation for being outside the church, for loving on this city. But these doors of opportunity and, and it makes us wonder. God, you're at work and you're opening up doors. Now, let's personalize this for a moment. Do you believe that for each one that is here today, meaning each one of you, so if don't go to sleep now because I'm talking to you. If you are here today, God has something to say to you. That God is looking to open up doors of opportunity for you for us to walk through. Now, here's an interesting thought. See, Jesus, when he prayed the Lord's Prayer, as we we know it, he says this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? It means that God is always wanting to bring his kingdom here to earth. And he's looking for opportunities for that to take place. And he's opening doors, or let me call them portals. There's a, a kind of a, if you're into sci-fi movies, portals. But really, that, that really just describes it. He's opening these portals or these doors for his kingdom to come here on earth. But the key is, are we aware of what God is doing, and are we seeing the doors? Are we seeing the doors? Are we seeing those portals? In which case then we are supposed to go enter through those. And when we enter through them, we go from the natural to the supernatural. And I believe that the season that we're in, that God is out there saying, here's a door. Are you willing to go through it? So every single one right here in this room has an opportunity to begin walking from the natural to the supernatural by your ability to actually walk through the portal or the door that God has opened. Do you believe that? It's true. But the key is, are we recognizing them? Are we seeing them? We are in this series called The Bride, and we are going through the seven books or the seven uh, churches of, that were mentioned in Revelation. We're getting to the end. We only have two more churches to go through. And today we're talking about the Church of Philadelphia. The Church of Philadelphia was established in 140 BC. Became a city 140 BC. It was 28 miles southeast of Sardis, which we talked about last week. Like most of these cities, were very wealthy cities. All these cities that we talked about were along these trading routes. But um, Philadelphia was known for um, its grapes, its wine. They had a lot of vineyards. So, if you turn to your Bibles, everybody, can you hold up your Bible if you brought your Bible today? Oh, better than last week. Good job. Give yourselves a hand. Clap for yourselves, please. This is good. I like it. Everybody, rustle the pages for me. Music to my ears. All right, bring your Bibles. I'm going to be asking you to underline some things and make some notes in your Bible. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 through 13, we're going to read this. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, Who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. And they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the final hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. To try those who dwell on earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write his name. I will write on him the name of God and the, and the name of the city of God and the new Jerusalem, which will come down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, I'm going to just give you some uh, synopsis of this scripture first, and then I'm going to actually just hang on one point for this morning. So let's uh, look at this together. So I'm going to give you a few uh, pieces of information. So first of all, the one who has the key of David. Really, this is talking about the authority. The authority that Jesus has, the key of David, to open and close things. And, And when he opens or closes, it is basically saying that no man can open or no man can shut talks about the ultimate authority of Jesus. Let's go on down here to verse 8. It says, I know that you have little power and yet you have kept my word. This idea of little power is really, again, understanding that where our power comes from. It is not our job to forcefully open doors. It is not our job to close doors. It is our job to walk through doors because our authority only rests in Jesus Christ. We don't have any authority on our own. Only the authority of which we possess through Jesus. But then it says I have why why do we have this authority in Jesus because we've kept his word. We have not denied his name. Let's look at verse 9 for a second. Where it says that I have loved you. I have loved you. That love is actually a past tense love. He says, I have loved you even while you kept my word about patient endurance, and I will keep you from the hour of trial. So basically he's saying, even though you might be going through hardship, know that I've loved you. How many people sometimes feel like when they're in the middle of a difficult time, it's like, God, where are you? Where are you, God? And God is just reminding us, even through our perseverance, our hours of trials, that he has loved us and will continue to love us. Good news. The hour of trial. Well, there's a couple of hours of trial that are yet to come before us, the church there's a tribulation. There's some thought on that, whether or not us as the church will be raptured out before the tribulation comes. By the way, there are two thoughts on that. The other thought is that we're going to have to live through the tribulation. So my question is, because there are great theologians who will camp out on either side of that, my question to you is, are you Okay, are you going to be okay to go through those tribulations? Because we need to know where we stand, how firm we are, where's our authority. Because at some point in time, the difficulties will come and the trials will come and we need to understand our place and we need to understand where our strength comes from. There's not only the tribulation, but there's also the day of the Lord. The Bible talks about that. The day of the Lord, multiple places. Actually, I wrote down some of those verses. I wonder if I brought them with me. I didn't. I'll bring the second service. You want to hear those reference points? Come back to the next service. <laughs> but the day of the Lord is 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 really this, this judgment that is coming on to the earth, and He does say those that those who are faithful to the end will escape those. That is a promise. That is a promise. But he says, hold fast to what you have. Now, when he says, hold fast to what you have, and that's in verse verse 11. Hold fast to what you have. Now, he's not saying, hold fast to your possessions. He's saying, what you have is really established by what Jesus has given you. Hope in him. Because when the trials and tribulations come, or when the tribulation comes, the great tribulation, if we're holding on to earthly things, that will not be enough to sustain us for what is about to come. It's not enough. He's saying, hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. That crown is really the the crown of life that we get to receive, the victor's crown when we get to be with Jesus for eternity. He says, hold on. Watch that this world does not snatch it from you. Then he goes on and says, well, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Now we know the new Jerusalem does not actually have a physical temple. So that we're not talking about the pillar. You will not become a stone in God's temple, a pillar. He's saying the pillar represented, where did you find the pillars in the temple? It was in the presence of God that you saw the pillar. And what he's saying to us is, we, us, get to be in his presence. We get to be in his temple. See, we see God and Jesus are now the temple, and we become the pillar, which means we get to be in his presence, which is, will be incredible. So that's a brief synopsis overview. But where I'm going to camp out today is this idea of the open door. The open door. See, God has opened a door for us. And God's open door is our door of opportunity. Do you believe that when God opens a door for us that we have the ability to go from the natural to the supernatural like we already have shared but that opportunity is only for us if we're willing to go through the door that's why God's open door is a door of opportunity the opportunity let rests on the other side of the door for all of you gentlemen out there when you open a door for your wife or your girlfriend, which, gentlemen, I know chivalry might be dead in America today, but it shouldn't be dead for us. So when you open the door, oh, I heard some clap. Who's, who clapped? Were all the girls clapping? Oh, that was a guy that was clapping. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> when we open a door for somebody, what, why do we do that? Do we expect them to stand and look at us and say, oh, thank you for opening the door and just stare at it and say, that's a very nice door that's open. No, the expectation is that they will walk through the door, correct? Jesus is opening doors for us and the expectation for us is to walk through them. The natural turns into the supernatural when we can identify the door that God has opened and then walk through the door. It reminds me very much of of the clip from the movie Narnia where Lucy begins to walk through the door. Her world goes from the natural to the supernatural. Watch this clip. My bad. When Lucy chose to go from this world to the next world, she had to overcome some things. She had to overcome her fear of what might be behind that door. She had to press in and push away the distractions that were preventing her from seeing on the other side. But it's when we go to the door of opportunity that God has placed before us, these open doors that no man can shut, but they are a door that stays open until a man goes through them or a woman goes through them. And he's saying, who will go? Who will go through that open door? And when we choose to go from the natural to the supernatural, we find that that is in that moment where lives are restored. That marriages are restored, that communities are healed, and actually nations are saved. I'll give you an example of Queen Esther, a Jewish girl that ended up marrying the king of Persia. Actually, let me get that right. Was it the king of Persia? Yes, it was. And, and as she married this king, There was a plan that was going to kill all the the Hebrews, all the Jewish race. There was going to be a great genocide that would take place. And it was by Queen Esther who was willing to go before the king to say, you know what, could there be another way? Maybe we need to save these people. And she petitioned, but it was that door of opportunity that she had to walk through. God presented a time and a place and created a portal for her to walk through. And when she walked through it, she had to walk with courage. After all, who are you, Queen Esther, to approach the king of Persia in such a way to try to influence him differently? And yet she did. But it was because she was willing to walk through the door of opportunity. The door that God had established to open for her to go through. You see, we can't actually go into the supernatural unless we're willing to walk through that door that God has opened for us. So, that's great, Mark, that you're saying that we have all these these doors that we're supposed to walk through, but... Where are these doors? (laughs) How do I identify them? Good question. And I think I have some answers for you. If you're taking notes, which I highly recommend you take some notes so you can refresh these at Life Group and, and you can go through it the rest of the week. But how do I know what an open door looks like? Number one. Remember, it says, we talked about, it goes from the natural to the supernatural. And because the door is a supernatural door, we can't look at it with natural eyes. We've got to have spiritual eyes to see these spiritual doors. What does that mean? It means that we need to have the eyes of our heart to be opened up. Ephesians 1.18 says, Open the eyes of our heart. See, our heart is is where that spiritual light can be illuminated into the reality that's around us. But not only is it a spiritual eyes that we need to see from, number two is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, about how our culture, if we don't know what we believe, our culture will tell us what to believe, is what we said. And our culture has a great way of clouding us. We get so preoccupied and so consumed by natural stuff, the flesh stuff that we can't rise above to begin to start feeding our spirits and start allowing our spirit man to come alive. So we need to spend more time with God in His Word. If we're going to see the open door, we need to understand how to see it. It's a spiritual sight. That means we've got to have a discernment We've got to spend time in the Word. We've got to spend time in prayer. And this idea of discernment is number three. So number one, it's not natural, but supernatural. So use your supernatural eyes, your spiritual eyes. Number two, don't let the culture numb us. And number three, we need to have a revelation of this door through the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. If you have been coming to church for a while and you say, well, I know Jesus, but I don't know who this Holy Spirit is, or I don't feel like I have this empowerment inside of me. Well, if you ask, you receive. Simply that. If you want the Holy Spirit to come and fill you up, that you would have these spiritual gifts that you can work in conjunction with what God has for us. Ask, you receive. Even now, as I'm saying these words, something sparks inside of you. It's like, I I, I want that. Just quietly close your eyes. God, I just want more of your Holy Spirit. I want your Holy Spirit. Come, fill me. Boom, done. You see, because we need this revelation, we need this discernment to be able to see what it is that you're doing. Part of, I'll give you an example. So when the mayor calls me, okay, this is an open opportunity. Let's walk through this with discernment. Let me have my spiritual eyes lifted and so I can hear what it is and I can see, spiritually see what is going on? And then number four, look at what is being highlighted around you. When you have an open door, is it just a passing open door or is there something like where they have that little neon light that goes over it? You know, you kind of just kind of gauge around and look and it's like, God, what are you highlighting? What are you bringing to me, what are, what can I just kind of get away from? It's like something flashes, and then all of a sudden, it keeps coming back to you, and it keeps coming back to you. God, wh- why is that? Are you saying that you want me to respond? Are you saying that you want me to go to that open door? Is that you, God? Number five. How do you make sure it's just not greasy pizza? <coughs> All right, let me define that a little bit. Sometimes your mind can play tricks on you. Sometimes you just kind of like, you know, having a bad day or you have, you're just off a little bit for whatever reason. And these thoughts really are just your own wacky thoughts. They might not be an open door at all. But it's good to test those thoughts and ideas. And the way you do that is... So the number five is really godly counsel. So you're just not jumping out there and chasing after all these things that you think are open doors without saying, hey, can, do you mind if I share an idea with you? I got, by the way, godly counsel. You know, we love to get counsel of people we already know they're going to agree with me. So we go to them. It's like, so I'm thinking of this. Oh, yeah, great, man. That's awesome. Meanwhile, it's like, they're not godly. It's not godly counsel. Godly counsel is somebody who will tell you the truth in love. And we'll say, you know what, I I love you, man, but whoa, you are like way off on that idea. Or they'll say, you know what, let's pray about this together. Let's discern together what God is doing. Godly counsel, so important. The number six, are we at peace? How do we know if this is an open door? Are we at peace? Now, at peace is not the same as there's no opposition, I want to be really clear on that because many times if it's a supernatural door that God's opening up for you, you probably will have opposition. Because guess what? We have an enemy. So if God is wanting us to walk through this door from natural to supernatural, to go into the world of Narnia, to see this world in a different way, that he's wanting to have his kingdom come to earth, And if we're willing to do that, we know that the enemy does not like God's kingdom coming to earth. That means lives are going to be set free. People are going to have hope. There's going to be transformation of people's lives and marriages are going to be restored. The enemy doesn't like that. So, of course, there's going to be opposition. But peace is different than opposition. Do we have peace? Do we just have this confidence inside that this is what God has asked of me? This is the door that God has opened for me. Let me give you another analogy. If you get engaged, but never walk through the doors of marriage, you will never experience the richness and the fullness of marriage. If you just stay engaged, I know there's couples who will stay engaged for a actually, they don't even get engaged anymore. They just kind of like get together for a while. They live together. They pretend that they're married. But even that, they never experience the fullness, and they never experience the, the actual complete fulfillment of what it is to be married if they just kind of hang out in this limbo land. And I wonder how many of us as as Christians are hanging out in this limbo land and and Jesus is saying, I want you to experience me in the fullness, but you've got to cross the threshold to be committed and see this open door that I've placed before you and I want you to walk through that. And it's going to take faith. It will. Why? Because we don't always get to see what's on the other side of that door. Right? Right? the door is open, we get to see our natural world. We don't get to see what's on the other side of that door. But if God is calling us there, he has a purpose. He's wanting to bring his kingdom from heaven to earth, and he wants to allow us to be the conduit for that. But that's the picture for us today. We have a bridegroom, and we are his bride. And he's saying, "If you will just, if you always just stay in this betrothal period, that you never allow me to be your husband, if you will, we will never get to experience the fullness of what he wants for us." I don't know if uh, if you did this. But when you first got married and you took your bride home, what did you do? Audra, let, let's demonstrate. Come up here for a minute. Uh, no. Audra, come on. Oh, boy. I just want to let you know. You Oh, see, I was going to call her on the carpet. All right. So what did he do? Come on, honey. So you pick her up, right? And you carry her across the threshold. Okay, she said, okay. That's okay. Give her a hand, okay. And really, that's what, see, that's why the door is not so fearful for us. I know some of you are saying, well, okay, I've seen the open door before and I never went through it because I don't know what's on the other side. And you've got to remember that we have an amazing groom who will help us over the threshold to the other side. We, the bride, get to be carried by our groom through the door. So I want you to understand that as we talk about these open doors that God is wanting us to walk through, that we We have this this groom, Jesus, who will get us through, but we have to be willing to walk through the door. I want you to think for a moment right now of the doors that God has placed before you. Maybe it's a door of reconciliation to a marriage. Maybe it's a door of reconciliation to a loved one, a child, a wayward kid. Maybe it's a door of seeing the homeless find a home. Maybe it's the door of opportunity that is allowing us to partner with our city to see restoration take place. What is that door that God has opened before you? Maybe for some of you today, that first door is that door of salvation where you need to trust him to walk through and say, I'm choosing to give my life to you, Jesus, today. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask for you to respond. If you are here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus, I want you to go through that door of opportunity today by trusting that we have a good groom. Jesus, who will carry us over that threshold, who will love us, who will protect us, who has the ultimate authority, by the way, and he doesn't wield that authority in a bad way. He's good. He's a good, good father. What are those doors that are open before us? Because Jesus says in Revelation, he's opened doors that no man can shut. He shut doors that no man can open. But there's a door with your name written on it. Your name. He says, will you go through this door? It's a door of going from the natural to the supernatural. It's the door that allows his kingdom to come here on earth. It can only happen if you're willing to go through the door. Are you willing? Are you willing? Let's pray. God, it's your open door that is our door of opportunity. Our opportunity to see your kingdom come here on earth. God, it's your kingdom ways that don't look like our world today, where there's hurt and sorrow and suffering. But your kingdom is about life and life in the full. Behind your doors are doors of hope, doors of restoration, doors of freedom. God, let us have courage to walk through those doors. Let us have courage to say, I trust you. Let us see the doors that are before us. Let us have our spiritual eyes awakened to be able to see the opportunities, the door of opportunity, Lord. And today, if there's anybody here who'd love to receive Jesus, to make them Lord of their life, to walk through that door of salvation today. If that's you, raise up your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody today that wants to say, I want Jesus in my life. I want to be him, the Lord of my life. Anybody, slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Father, I just pray right now for those who raise their hands. We know that we're all sinners. We've done things wrong. We don't have the ability to be good enough. That's why we say, Jesus, come into our life. Come into our life and to make us right with you, God. So we receive you, Jesus, into our life. We, we also say that we want to make you Lord of our life, meaning everything else comes second to you, Jesus, in our life. Thank you for those who said yes to you. We acknowledge what you've done on the cross, Jesus. You went to the cross and, and you took our sin on the cross and you've made it right. That's why we can come to you and you can then allow us to come to our Father in heaven because you've paid it all. Oh Jesus, I just pray that we would continue to walk through these doors of opportunity that are in front of us to allow your kingdom come here on earth. These doors that will bring hope, life, and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.